Norfolk State clinched the regular season MEAC championship on Monday. Let's look at how that victory impacts tonight's game versus Howard. And Gerald Huggins of Draft HBCU joins as we continue our Top 10 Thursdays. Oh, yeah. It's Locked on HBCU. Play my music. You are Locked on HBCU, your daily podcast covering HBCU sports. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, family? Welcome back to another episode of the Locked On HBCU Podcast, your number one daily one-stop shop for everything HBCU athletics, Monday through Friday, part of the Locked On Podcast Network your team every day and i of course am darian gray aka the mouth of the south texas southern alum and former tsu herald sports editor thank you for going on this journey with me today making locked on hbcu your first listen of the day every day and norfolk state wrapped up the regular season crown as far as meag men's basketball goes but their victory on monday versus north carolina central actually has big ramifications for this game tonight versus howard now Let's look back. Let's go into Monday. We've had a packed week here at Locked on HBCU, and it's been a lot of fun. Like, I've had a lot of fun talking to you about whether it was Art Browse and, and all of that or if it's the CIA tournament. It's been a blast. But unfortunately, that means that that victory kind of got overshadowed by a lot of bigger storylines. However, I want to take a quick look back at it. And in that game, they were absolutely dominant. North Carolina Central, they were close. They were within 10, two points, two minutes into the game. That was the last time they were that close. Two minutes into the game, they were down two points, and after that, they never got that close again. Matter of fact, with nine minutes left into the first half, not in the second half, with nine minutes left in the first half, that was the last time that the lead was at single digits. After that, I don't know if maybe just, just being that close just irritated the Spartans. But they took off and went on a 23 to nothing run to end the half. And it was all she wrote from there. I don't even really think that this game needs that much of a breakdown because that's how big of a beatdown that it was, right? And Chris Bankston led the team with 21 points, which was his career high. And he also paired it with 11 rebounds, giving him his third double-double of the night. And that just that overall defensive display continued throughout the rest of the, of the game. They only allowed 46 points, which was their lowest in, in about three years. So this was just an absolute domination, you know. But let's look at how it impacts this game tonight. Because with that game, obviously, it led to MEAC, the MEAC regular season championship being given to Norfolk State. That was clear, right? I think that's, that's something we already touched on. But we want to look at how does that impact Howard. Because... This was this victory over North Carolina Central, which, good God, North Carolina Central just crumbled at the end of this year. They've lost their last three games, and now because of it, they just lost the chance to be the number two seed. Um, this this is just this is disappointing. But with this loss, or with this victory, I should say, with Norfolk beating North Carolina Central, it broke the tie between uh, Central and Howard, because at first they were both tied right there. Now you see. Howard is sitting at nine and four. Meanwhile, uh, Central is sitting there at eight and five. So at the worst case, at the absolute worst case, you're sitting at a, a, a situation where Howard's nine and five, and then Central is 
eight, excuse me, they're sitting at seven and five right now. Central can get to eight and five. And that's where that's the best you can get where they have the same amount of losses, but Howard would have more victories. And also Howard had swept Central throughout this year already. So the tiebreaker would go to them regardless. And uh state, excuse me, Norfolk State is two games above Howard. So that's why they have that already wrapped up. It's only one game left to play. So with all of those things happening, now you have a solidified number one and you have a solidified number two. And I think for a lot of people that may beg the question of why are we even playing this game? Because remember, Norfolk State is the champion. They knocked off Central. That already happened. Then you have Howard, who cannot get to number one because they're at nine and four. Uh, Central, excuse me, Norfolk State is at 11 and two. And then Central is at seven and five. So what is the point? If you can't go down, Norfolk State, you've already done what we needed you to do. We understood that, and you, job accomplished. You did everything that we wanted from you. You came in, you won the MEAC for the third third year out of four years, back-to-back -back years, right? Then you you taking care of business. Chris Bankston, you look like a stud. We talked about you way back when. You've done everything that we could have asked you for. Howard, you came in, you had a really strong year, you know? You had a strong year, and it's resulting in you being number two, but you can't move. You can't win two games in one. It's just not possible. And then also, you know that they can't catch you. To me, I'm not I, I'm not losing. This is about pride. But really, it's the fact that tournament season is coming in, and you're heating up. HBCU tournaments are always jumping, right? So you're getting into a situation where you just won two games in a row. Howard's won two in a row. Norfolk State has won two in a row. You want to sustain that momentum going in. And it's not even, I don't even know much about, hey, if we have to match up, I want to make sure that we know we can beat this team. I don't really think that's what it's about. For me, I think it's more so just the case of I'm going into tournament time and I don't want to lose my last game. So I'm not going to rest my starters. I'm not going to not not giving my all as far as coaching or playing. I want to make sure that all the momentum that I've had, these back-to-back -back victories that I've had, continues my stride, and I keep rolling going into tournament season. So that's my, that's my ideal situation, and I think that's the reason why these games still matter. No, they don't count for seeding or standings or anything of that nature. All of that is going to stay the same. Now, under two, then you're going to have some figuring out. Central still has to figure out things because they're right there neck and neck with other squads. But as far as Howard and Norfolk State go, you're playing for momentum. The winner of this game will be have, will be riding a three-game win streak going into the MEAC tournament, and that's something that can continue. Say what you want. Momentum, those things play a part in the sports. They just do. And going forward, we're going to be ranking. We're going from seeding and everything to ranking so same kind of deal but this time we're bringing gerald huggins on the show and he's going to detail his number nine player somebody that he tried to tease last week i told him nah man we gotta we gotta keep him anticipating right well the anticipation is built the waiting is done but first i want to tell you about run your pool because march madness is around the corner we're getting into tournament season your your power five tournaments are going on your MEAC. And SWAC tournaments are going to be right around the corner as well, in addition to those Power 5 schools. It's time for you to start thinking about where are you going to do your tournament? Where are you going to run your bracket at? Go to runyourpool.com slash locked on to play with us because I personally will vouch. I love the fact that they're going to give me all of the details. 
and give me intel and, and make me feel like, okay, I know what I'm talking about, even if I'm a novice. So it's for everybody. Whether you feel like you know it all, or you need something that you need to get a little informed on before you start making your brackets. Cool things like Survivor, cool little things like changing the scoring in your bracket. Those are options that ESPN and CBS do not bring to you. They're going to bring everything as far as all the assistance, assistance and customer service that you may need. And also, you don't have to play with us only. Go make one for your family. Make one for your, for your office. Use the promo code Pure Madness and get $10 off at, che at checkout. Remember, go to runyourpool.com slash locked on to play with us. And I can't wait to beat you. I can't wait to see you there. My bad. All right, so we keep on rolling on today's episode of Locked On HBCU. Thank you for making us your first listen of the day every day. And Gerald Huggins joins the show to detail his number nine player on our top 10 draft eligible HBCU player list. All right, I have with me Gerald Huggins draft HBCU scout, and we're continuing our top 10 Thursday. And we have player number nine, and that's Marquise McClain, wide receiver out of Southern. And this was a guy who he was at the Legacy Bowl. He was at the Combine. And in both of those events, he caught my eye. But specifically in the Legacy Bowl, I felt like he was the quarterback's best friend. Gerald, is that something that you feel is constant within his film at Southern as well? Um, it's good to say that. I think it's best to say he was. But he was also one of pretty much their like, best offensive options. Um, he could run the ball. He could catch the ball. He was a solid blocker as well. So, you know... Yeah, it's fair to say, you know, he was, you can call him a safety blanket because he was so, he was able to do so many different things. Like, if you needed a, a big play, you could do a many different things. You could line him up on the outside, you line him on the inside, like a big, big receiver, big slot, tight end kind of look. I mean, I think you could put, they could have put him in the backfield a little bit more often. You know, they did a lot of reverses with him as well. He loves to get yardage, he's a yak god. So, that's what you like to see out of your uh, safety blanket. So, yeah, I, I agree. I That didn't shock me too much. Was Well, you say that. Was there anything that did shock you in the Legacy Bowl from his performance? <sighs> to be honest with you, after watching him play at Southern, no. I'm going to be very honest with you. I think they put him in position to be very successful. And I'm just going to put this out here. If he's 6'3", 210, there's no way he's 6'3", 210. <laughs> he has to be at least a 230. He's, he's, he, I saw him in person at the uh, HBCU Combine where he blew it away, by the way. Um, he's big. Now, he's a big guy. I mean, he might be 210 when he first got to uh, Southern last year, uh, but two years ago, whatever you want to call it. But he's a big guy, and he was able to utilize that against you would say the smaller linebackers that they had on the team um Gaither side uh he was able to you know and uh, you had to really run very vanilla defenses in these all-star games too so that probably helped too but guess what he did it he did it well he didn't drop i don't think he dropped I think he, if he did he drop a pass he might not have even dropped the pass i think he had like yeah i think he went, had seven targets he had seven catches it's he caught it, tucked it, and yards at the catch. He was big with the yards at the catch, and I just think that 
that translate well. Definitely in the league, the, the league now, you see these with tight ends now. Like they catch the ball, give them a little, give them a little hitch route, stick route, slants, or just want them to find a little spot in the zone. They find a spot in the zone, they turn their head and they go. And then you have guys like Kittle that and Mark Andrews that will run you over. And then you got guys like Kelsey and Wall that'll run by you. And I think McLean little is a little bit in the middle of that. He's kind of in the middle of that. Okay, we are definitely going to get into how he projects in the NFL going forward. But I did want to ask about one specific play and just seeing what plays translate from the Legacy Bowl and then go into the – just going from the Legacy Bowl into his actual film at Southern. Mm-hmm. And when I'm thinking about it, there was a play, his first catch of the game, he caught the ball, he got rocked by a safety, safety didn't wrap up, and he was able to, to use his strength to keep his balance, and he ended up getting like 10 more yards after contact. So you talked about the yak, but also just the strength on the field. Is that something that you feel was consistent as well? For sure. If you look at his tape, look at his – I think – I forgot what – it was either te- I think it was Texas Southern. I think he had like – Hey, look now, look now, look now. I'm an alum now. You better watch how you're talking now. <laughs> Brother, I, I feel I, – listen, we're on the same page. But I'm not going to lie to you. He had a day. I think he had he like – He tore us up. He tore he us up. Even, I think he had almost 100 yards receiving about – about 50, 60 yards rushing, and he was yeah. bouncing off. He was bouncing off guys, like, and even like in multiple games. Like the first guy, it was it wasn't easy, but he's also kind of shifty too. Like he's had some long runs, and he can be a deep throw, a deep deep ball threat as well. But to go back to what you're saying, he's a big dude. I if he's like I said, if he's two ten, I don't believe it because he's bouncing off linebackers, bouncing off ends when he's catching, bouncing off D linemen. When he's getting these uh, reverses and stuff like that. So, A, the film shows that, yes, you have to hit him. And even that's not enough. Two people might have to hit him. He's very solid. Definitely his lower half. Very strong. Uh, I think even in the uh, HBU combo, I think he put up 18 reps to 225. And I'm pretty sure that's going to go up by his pro day. So, he's going to be in, like, maybe the mid-20s. So, that's that's huge. Yeah, and talking about his his combine numbers, there was something that was a little bit interesting. And he ran a four six one, which isn't great at, at a wide receiver position, but he jumped a thirty eight inch vertical. He jumped ten two, so he's really explosive. But the straight line, like just the straight line speed, isn't quite there. I am a defensive line guy, so I despise the forty yard dash. All we care about the ten yard split. That's us. Like if your ten yard split is good, you good because when when you gonna be running forty yards. However, for us, for the other guys who love the forty, you know the skill position guys, cool. I clocked them at sub four six. So I think I had a, I think I had them at like a four five six one a four five six. I think his high was like a four six two four six three. So I think the official number was like four six one or something like that. Now. This is not an excuse for him. But this is a reason. It was cold. <laughs> it was cold. Listen, I'm not, and I'm not knocking what they the senior bowl and HBCU. I'm not knocking it at all. But I'm just end of the day, it was cold, and they were running forties. So I personally believe, based on film and what we see, what we've seen him on film during the season and at the HBCU Legacy Bowl. And you can just watch how he runs. I, he's a four, he's a four, low four five guy. If he could get high four four, 
that's going to really help his stock. Definitely as a big, you want to call him a big tight end. I really want to see his, his weight. If I can get his, confirm his weight, that would help too. Because, you know, being 230 plus, if you run like a 4'4-ish, low 4'5", he's about 6'3". You know he has good hands and you can use him in different positions. That's, I mean, I'm trying to think off the top of my head. I'm thinking he his body type and the way he plays kind of reminiscent of Vernon Davis almost. I mean, Vernon Davis is a 4'3 guy. But I just think the the the, the size about six three, you know, two whatever plus, you know, they solid, you know, big lower body, they bounce off the tackles. I see that's a good comparison for him. I think they could use him even better than how they use uh, Vernon Davis. They probably use him more like how Kelsey's use, Kittle's use, a uh, guy that line him up all over the place, give him reverses, make him do little stick routes. Even they send him deep. You know, sometimes they just tell you to sit in the middle of the zone, find a spot. You know, um, I think that would be ideal for him. So, yeah. All right. So you just heard Gerald break down some of the things that McLean does really well and what from the Legacy Bowl and HBCU Combine translates to his film at Southern. Now, going forward, we're going to start talking about how does he project going into the NFL? Is he a big tight end or is he a big slot or is he a tight end? Let's see what Gerald has to say. But first. I want to tell you about Bet Online because BetOnline.net has everything you need for all of your sports wagering. I don't care what your sport is. If you want to talk about pro professional basketball, you can you can get the over under on Ja. When's the next time he going for fifty? That's my guy. That's my that's my favorite player to watch in the NBA right now. Been my second favorite player, and he's slowly creeping to being number one now. Right? If you want to talk about collegiate basketball, you have all the tournament season about to start. NCAA World Series are about to start, and Texas is your favorite. Get all of your odds on that. So even if you want to bet on just individual players, even if you want to bet on games, it's all there. Boxing, UFC. We have a big UFC event going on on Saturday, so make sure you're checking that out as well. And if you're not into all of that, you thought it was going to be nothing for you, you also have your, your favorite Vegas casino games that you can bet on. You can wager on everything with betonline.net, and that's why they are the best in the business. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all of your favorite sports. Bet online, where the game starts. All right, as we're wrapping up today's episode of Locked On HBCU, Gerald Huggins comes in to break down how does Marquise McLean out of Southern fair when we're projecting him from the collegiate ranks into the professional league we'll see what he has to say is he a tight end or is he a big slot that's what i want to know so it seems like i know there was some conversation whether he was going to be a slot receiver or a big slot receiver or if he was going to move to tight end seems like you're kind of angling towards tight tight end more than a big slot <sighs> His his blocking, I mean, you know, it's not a, a ton of table, you know, with him blocking bigger guys. However, when he is going against these safeties and he's going against these cornerbacks, he's doing a really good job. Um, it was, I mean, it's he might he's not Heinz Ward, but he's not Chad Ochocinco either. So he's he's like well in between. You know, he will lay the lumber if he has to. You know, I just think he does a good enough job to stop block, you know, getting away, just getting away and let his running back. You know, he has pretty, he has some really good, you know, really good quarterback that's transitioning to running back as well. 
You know, he'll be able to get his yards, block downfield. It looks good. Um, tight end-wise, I mean, we've had tight ends that were not ideal. You know, not the biggest guys. You know, we had 6'3", 230-ish tight ends. And not everybody's going to be Walt, Darren Waller and George Kittle and Mark Andrews. Not everybody's going to be huge. But I think the best way for him to get on the team is to just be able to do both. Regardless, show that you can block. If he shows that he can block consistently, like defense alignment, linebackers, big safeties, whatever, which I think I have a feeling he could do because he's just a strong guy. That's going to up his stock even more because the tape is out. For those who didn't know about him, they've been talking about him heavily since HBCU Combine and definitely after what we saw in the Legacy Bowl. And it also helped that I think he was the only tight end on the roster, if I'm not mistaken, or I think something happened. One got hurt or something, but even if he wasn't the, the only tight end on the roster, he definitely took the majority of the reps, and I could see why, and I'm not mad at it. Yeah, the guy out of North Carolina Central actually got hurt in that game, but I think they had a right. running a lot at wide receiver. You think yeah. that blocking is going to be the overall determining factor on whether he plays tight end or wide receiver? His block? I think so, because, you know, even, you know, like the top tight ends in the league, when it comes down to it, they have to block. And for the most part, the top tight ends can block. Andrews has no choice with the block because he's on a running team. Uh, then you have the Chiefs. We have Kelsey. He's serviceable blocker. George Kittle clearly shows he loves to block. And even Darren Wall has become a very solid blocker for the running game they have in the Raiders. So I think that's essential because we've seen the route. We've seen the route tree because he's played outside. He's played the outside positions as well. He's been in the slot. He's able to run the ball. We've seen that. He's able to get yards at the catch. He's, he's kind of a deep threat as well. He's had some film on him catching the ball deep. Uh, he's a playmaker. But in the day, if we can't have you out there on first and second down, if we want to run the ball or third down and short, we want to run the ball, then it's going to be hard for us to get you on the field. So show that you can block and also show that you can block an open space, which he has also done, you know, in multiple positions. Yeah. So you mentioned something in there when talking about his receiving acumen. And you said he made some plays downfield deep. So let's talk about him as as a receiver. Do you think he's a two-level receiver or a three-level receiver? How, how do you project his game going forward into the NFL? I mean, me personally, this is just me, just, just me personally. And then a little bit of this from what I heard just around, I just think it would be best for him to go like you hear everybody that's what everybody's talking about they want to like kind of see if we could slide him into that big slot because they see how big this guy is not saying you can't be big like him and play outside receiver i just think you know if you just you know have yourself stuck to just being an outside receiver which i think would do him a disjustice you know i'm not saying he's devo samuel you know we can put him in back backfield i i would wouldn't mind them trying something like that because he's just an athlete you know, regardless of what the the four, six, or four, five says, he's an athlete and he likes to get a ton of yards after the catch. So, as you can see now, a lot of teams like to put their best receivers on this in the slot because you know they get the it's easy to get the ball to them. And the tight ends are getting a lot of targets. Even these running backs get a lot of targets. So the closer you are to the ball, more than likely it's when you're gonna get the most uh, most touches. Unless you're Devontae Adams, where Aaron Rodgers just throws the ball up to you every play. So I just think for him. It's best to just be versatile. You have tape on the outside, you know. So, and you have now you have tape on the inside. Now they people just want to see if you can, you know, block, and they want to see you know, you know, build your route tree. Even though I believe he could do all the routes on the route tree, and you know, and just continue to show that 
you love to get yards. And he, like I said, he's a yak guy. So I, I say he should focus on, you know, possibly doing the tight end big slot transition, but always be ready to prepare if a team says, hey, we want to keep you on the outside, which he probably wouldn't mind. Yeah, and I think that his skill set is one that's really interesting, but I personally felt like his year at Southern statistically left more to be desired. He only had about 400 yards. Does that lack of production in a single year there concern you any? No, not really, because, you know, um, even though I I enjoyed uh, the quarterback play, um, you know, not to knock, not to knock the offense, but, you know, it just wasn't the most pass-friendly, pass-heavy offense. Now, if he was, you know, maybe if he was at another, maybe he was at, like, you know, Jackson or at A&M or something like that. Even Fam, they kind of got in, they got their pass in the game in order to move mid-season towards the end of the season. Like even if you were in a situation like that, or he, even if he was at Norfolk State with Pooty, Pooty Carter, like he may have gotten a little more, you know, a little more production, but at the end of the day, the tape shows that when he does get the ball, he's very productive when he does get the ball. He gets a lot of yards at the catch. And people like numbers, so he got his combine numbers. Combine numbers open eyes when all the all the scouts were talking about him. Wasn't the scout there that wasn't talking about him. So they have that. So then they're gonna go back to the tape and be like, okay, why haven't we heard about this guy? Da, 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 da. Oh, okay. Cool. So now we can see why maybe just what the offenses just sometimes don't suit guys to get thousand yards. I mean, how many receivers in black college football got a thousand yards? <laughs> you know, it's not a ton. Uh, well, I think AM got two. Wow. Um, anyway, yeah. So, and I, oh, I'm pretty sure. Oh, speaking of Texas Southern, this random, but I love that quarterback y'all got. Love him. Big body, body. My boy, Big Body Andrew. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Love, I was I like, like yeah, love him. I, I, like I, I, just, I just really off topic. But even if he was at Texas Southern, body would have yeah. got. So, you know, sometimes it's your situation. Not saying that his quarterback play was, wasn't good at all. I mean, it was, I think it was, you know, pretty good. But if you want a pass happy, they weren't pass happy, so he's not going to get the 80, 90 targets. And you're rarely going to get 80, 90 targets in, you know, college football, let alone black college football. Right. Well, I I think we, we've done a pretty thorough breakdown of who of who Marquise McClain is. Next week, we have number eight. We still ain't giving him no, no lead up. We're going to keep him waiting. Sure. Building up anticipation. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure we're going to build up that anticipation. But uh, next week, we'll be back with number eight, and I'm excited for it. I ain't going to miss this guy. Appreciate you coming on. Oh, anytime, my brother. Appreciate you. All right, you just heard all we need to hear about our number nine player, Marquise McClain, out of Southern. Whether he's a big slot or he's a tight end, he is a fantastic player, and we ain't giving no lead up. You got to wait until next week, and then you'll hear what we have at number eight. But thank you for making Locked On HBCU your first listen of the day every day. And for your second listen of the day, make sure that you are checking out Locked On NFL Draft with Eric Crocker, former NFL cornerback, and Ryan Tracy. They're giving everything that you need for the big event in April, but don't wait to get educated. This is where you need to go. And in the meantime, in between time, you can find me on that blue app, that bird, yes, Twitter, at South Exclusives. Until the next time that we hear each other, family, take care, stay blessed. Peace. Gave y'all the double piece today.